Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Duinay. This podcast is sponsored by BoomCloud Dental Membership Software, www.boomcloudapps.com, and Veritas Dental Resources, www.veritasdentalresources.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Ben Tuine and Jordan Comstock. Real quick here, we wanted to announce our conference that's coming up here November 3rd, 2018 here in Salt November Lake City, 2nd. Utah. Sorry, November 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's always great to have a, uh, a co-host. A co-host. <laughs> <laughs> you like, the, like the, the still small voice in the back of my head. In this case, it was a, a nice bass sound. November 2nd. November 2nd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So November 2nd, folks, check out our website, com to register. Uh, just click on the 2000, what does it say there? Events? Yeah, and it's, uh, it's ppos.com forward slash event dash 2018. If you go to the homepage of our website, you'll see it right there at the top of the menu as well. So it doesn't really matter if you go directly to that link we said. Um, ben, should we share a promo code right now? Yeah, yeah. So the promo code that we thought of is... INS, abbreviation for insurance. So INS sucks. <laughs> so INS sucks is the promo code, and you'll get fifty percent off if you register there. Uh, anything else, Jordan? No, that's it, man. We hope to see you guys there. Rock and roll. Looking forward to it. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast. I am your host today, Jordan Comstock. Today we don't have Ben. He's out. I don't know what he's doing actually, so I, I can't tell anybody. <laughs> but uh, I'm here this morning with a, a guest. Uh, his name is Dr. Roy Shelbourne, Shelburne. And uh, Roy and I were hanging out it, in uh, Hawaii a couple weeks ago uh, for the ADMC uh, meeting there. Roy, how are you doing, man? I'm great. Um, you know, kind of missing Hawaii just a little bit, but so hey. am I. So am I. It's it's cold <laughs> here in Utah. Uh, I can't remember where are you where are you from, Roy? Uh, western part of Virginia. So yeah, we so had a heavy frost today. The leaves are changing. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And, that is true. Uh, the high today is going to be sixty. High tomorrow, I'm excited. Is sixty eight. Oh, that's that's so. that's not bad, man. That's no. We're, we're like thirties here, I think, for lows. Um, yeah, I'm looking right at my now. kitchen window, and the leaves are changing, and it's beautiful fall weather. It's it's yeah, that, that um, great nice. time of year. That yeah, it is. Nice. Here in in Utah, it's 38 degrees right now. <laughs> Whoa! And yeah, things are changing. Uh, it, it is beautiful. The mountains look beautiful. You were here a, f- a few weeks back for the Dental Intel Summit, um, and and I'm sure you saw like the mountains and all the the beautiful changing leaves in the in the mountains. So. Um, I did it, it started. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it's beautiful time of year, but uh I Roy, I do not like winter and I don't like snow. So uh, I I need wah, to, wah, I, I need wah, to, wah, we wah, need to go back to Hawaii, man. <laughs> we just got to go back to Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, count me in. <laughs> Sounds good, man. So let me give everybody a little intro uh, about you. Uh, Roy has been on our show before. I don't remember when it was, Roy. It's been a, it's been maybe a year, I'm assuming, um, or a little less. Yeah, time flies when I'm having fun. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I, I'd have to go look in our in our episodes. Um, but Dr. Shelburne is an honor graduate from VCU. What does that What does that stand for? 
Virginia right. Commonwealth University, back in the day when I graduated, it was still known as Medical College of Virginia, but okay. it's Virginia Commonwealth University today. Awesome. So and you opened a private general practice in Virginia in 1981, and then in 2008, Roy surrendered his dental license to practice dentistry after being convicted of health care fraud and was sentenced to 24 months in federal prison. Now a subject matter expert for the ADA and a nationally known speaker, writer and consultant, Dr. Shelburne candidly shares his mistakes, his experiences, what he learned as a result, and how to avoid the same life-altering experience. His goal is to increase legitimate reimbursement while reducing risk and to keep you out of prison. That is a good goal, Roy. <laughs> I, I <laughs> good certainly goal. hope so. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Uh, this is a crazy story. Um, and could you briefly give our audience a a, a, a your story, your a brief story? A snapshot? Yeah, a snapshot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> well, I got it. Back in the old days, they called this the Reader's Digest condensed version. You could buy <laughs> yeah. condensed Reader's Digest. That doesn't happen anymore. But um, yeah, um, had practiced in my grandfather's hardware store building for about 27 years. Had flown to California to the American Dental Association meeting. Just got back from there, by the way. Oh. Um, while I was there, I my wife had called to let me know that the FBI had come to my office, had battered down my back door, and were taking all my records. Oh, man. Um, was investigated for three years, was indicted, um, went to trial, was found guilty on all charges. One of the things that I didn't understand was the definition of intent to defraud. It includes if you submitted a claim for a patient you never saw for a service you never provided, and that was never the case in with me, but it also includes a wider definition, which includes what's considered blind disregard. That means if you make mistakes and don't have systems to identify and correct those mistakes, that's considered from a legal standpoint intent to defraud. Huh. So wow. we had made mistakes. We didn't have systems to identify and correct those. So they did an investigation over the course of six years, and over those six years, I was paid $3.5 million, and the amount that they found that I got that I wasn't entitled to of the $3.5 million was $17,899.57. Wow. And even though we were able to establish that it was work that I provided, should have billed for, and could have billed for in excess of that amount, it didn't make any difference. So I learned the hard way uh, about the risks that are associated with dental claims, the fact that that dental claim form needs to be accurate, and that we need to have systems to identify and correct errors, otherwise we're considered committing intent to defraud. Intent, so, wow. yeah, so wow. I've, uh, I've since um, devoted myself to sharing the story, not because I'm proud of it, but because I want to give people a very real reason for being very very concerned about what we do and how we do it and to yeah. do it correctly to protect and defend themselves. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, it is definitely a good story. Uh, it sounds like a, a very challenging situation as well. Uh, I, I can't imagine going through that, Roy. Uh, what, so what would you have changed um, if you knew better? I would have had systems to identify and correct errors. If you, if you accept reimbursement, from any government entity, and a lot of people think that's limited to Medicare, Medicaid, but it also includes 
um, federal employees, if you see dependents of active duty military, if you see anybody that's covered by the Affordable Health Care Act, to some degree those are reimbursed by government funds, and you run the same risk as if you were a Medicaid practitioner, if you saw a lot of um, Medicare. Uh-huh. So I would, number one, document appropriately to make sure that the the record that you record for that patient is accurate established did I lose you Roy I can't that hear you. There... is that me beeping or you beeping uh, I lost you for a second there so repeat you, you started saying document and then I lost yeah. you yeah, document appropriately so that you establish medical necessity and that it is very clear in what you did. And you need to audit periodically to make sure that your documentation and your billing and coding are correct to help support your position. That is if you do choose to take dental insurance. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, yeah it, it's not something I say you have to or don't have to. Your choice to to take dental insurance is, is up to you. My 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 warning would be if you do that you need to be very careful about how you do it to make sure that you cross your t's and dot your i's yeah i agree no error is is considered a, a innocent mistake it's it can be construed as intent to defraud if you don't have the systems in Man. place to, that's yeah. crazy so when, when you talk about like doing an audit what do you what do you mean by that can you go into some details there like do you hire a, yes. a third party to do the audit or does your practice do it internally how does that work well um, if if you accept any of those government plans that I described not just the Medicare Medicaid but the others as well uh-huh. there's a mandated seven-step compliance program it it is mandated you are to have the program in your practice and it it's good that you have it, whether you're, you accept government funding or not. It's good to have audit systems to make sure that things are being done correctly. So, number one, you need to decide that you're going to do auditing. Uh-huh. Two, you need to set your standards. So, for example, if you're looking at your documentation, you need to, to understand the the standard that you've established, what that record should look like, what it should contain. Once you do that, you need to establish a person who is going to be in charge of the whole program. And that person is not the one that does the audit, but that would be the person who schedules the audit time, may take that time off the book, may select the records that are going to be uh, reviewed randomly and um, might order pizza so that you have food to <laughs> have when you're doing the audit. Yeah, they're not the one that's that's totally responsible, but they're the one that has is kind of riding herd on the whole process. Okay. Then uh, you need to train. Um, the everybody needs to be on board. There needs to be adequate training. You shouldn't expect your team to maintain a standard if you haven't provided the correct training. Yeah, it's it's your practice, right? So you got to make sure that you're doing, you're getting your team trained on everything and, and making sure they're mm-hmm. they're good to go. Yeah, and ultimately, you need to um, give the team the ability to give feedback. So there needs to be open communication. For example, if the documentation isn't being done to the doctor's standards that uh, that have been established in the team. 
that person needs to say, you know, doc, I could do that, but I don't have enough time to, or I haven't had enough training, or I don't have the supportive information. If it's a billing coding issue, do you have the right billing coding um, references? And you need to understand that there are, when errors are determined, what you're going to do to be able to correct them moving forward, that they don't continue to happen. And the final part of the compliance program is if there's an individual on the team unable to meet the standard established, you're going to have to terminate that person. You can't keep a person around who is unable to meet the standard. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the basic seven-step program. And like I said, it's it can be in any any piece of the, the practice. It doesn't have to be billing and coding. You can use the whole um, method of, of improvement to move forward in any area of your practice to make sure that you are continually improving in what you do. And that may be communication skills, that may be phone skills, that may be any area of the practice. So it's a matter of putting together that type of step-by-step program to improve what you're doing today. I love that. So that yeah. better tomorrow. Yeah. Totally. So what, what do you recommend? Like obviously a practice, you know, that wants to protect themselves from staying out of prison, right? They don't want to go to prison. Um, Correct. Doing this audit, is that the, is that the only thing that you recommend they, that they need to do or are there other ideas and tips you have for practices? Yeah. In terms of the audit system, absolutely. Um, documentation, you need to make sure that number one, the medical necessity is established for any service that you're providing. For example, um, radiographs is a huge issue. I, I attend not only dental meetings, but also dental insurance meetings. So it's great to hear what they are concerned about and they, uh -huh. they are deeming an area that we may be providing inappropriate treatment for our patients and radiographs are, are a number one. You know, I, I, I do a lot of audits for doctors and I'll, uh, I'll sometimes see a notation in the clinical chart that said x-rays are not due. And my hope is one day when I ask that person, what does this mean in their practice, that the response will be, well, the doctor has reviewed the patient's history and the risk factors. And um, after that review of that patient's uh, particular condition and situation, determined that the x-rays at this point would not be helpful in the diagnostic process. Yeah. I never get that answer when I ask, what does this mean x-rays are not due? What do you think that answer is? X-rays aren't due. The answers like you need X-rays to diagnose like the patient Correct. care. Like I would imagine that. But typically, the response is when somebody is asked that when it what it means in their practice when X-rays are not due. Every response I've ever gotten is, "Well, the insurance isn't going to pay for it." Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> so you don't base your care. treatment decisions yeah. on what yeah what the no. insurance is going to pay for no no i'm totally anti that mindset right when it comes to to dentistry and just just healthcare in general too right um, correct it's, it's what the patient needs you'll never meet standard of care by only providing treatment that the insurance is going to pay for so um as far as the radiographs documentation would be number one the reason for them the medical necessity uh -huh. so there again you if patient comes in with pain on the upper right-hand side, it should say doctor indicated that um, diagnostic radiograph on upper right-hand side, tooth is whatever the patient's complaint is to determine uh, any issues with the tooth. So number one, the medical necessity is established. And if somebody is kind of confused about, well, what, what is that? 
the ADA in 2008, they actually updated in 2012, the ADA and the FDA, they put together a document that outlines the causes medical necessity. It'll give you an outline um, and a roadmap of when x-rays are taken and why and what would be the appropriate film to take for. It doesn't mean you can't go off uh, label and do something different if, if mm-hmm. the doctor looks at it and goes, you know, this I, I may need this as well. But any radiograph prior to it being exposed needs to be justified from a medical standpoint. Why is it being taken? Number two, it needs to be diagnostic. So a film that is taken that doesn't meet standard, for example, if your bite wings are overlapped, if your PAs are cone cut, Anything that would not pass a proficiency in dental school or hygiene school or assisting school, if you bill for that service, that's a worthless service. So you've submitted a fraudulent claim in the event that you bill for something that is not doesn't meet standard of care. Yeah. So number one, the necessity. Number two, that they are diagnostic. And number three, that clinical record should indicate that the doctor read and interpreted them. Now, there are two states where hygienists can diagnose, and that is uh, Colorado and Oregon, and they have to have a certificate to do that. I had no idea. So so hygienists can diagnose in those two states if they have gone through the process to being um, certified to be able to diagnose. All other states, hygienists can't do that. They can't order radiographs, and they can't read them. Okay. So, and And it's also problematic to have a standing order in your practice for, okay, we're going to take bite wings every 12 months or we're going to take PAs every whatever. Like I said, a standing order is inappropriate because, for example, a patient with high risk, uh, as far as caries go, you would maybe take them more frequently than once a year. A patient patient that's been in the practice for mm, 10 years and they've never had anything needed to be done for those 10 years, taking bite wings every 12 months on that patient might be over overexposing that that patient so there again any orders for radiographs should be based on the patient's need so i would i would encourage practices to think from the patient's point of view not the insurance point of view when they determine the need for treatment in any area, number one, establish the medical necessity for, number two, document appropriately what you did and why you did it, and thirdly, make sure that the billing and coding tracks specifically from that clinical record that establishes the need and what was done. Yeah, that's no, that's I think that's a, a really good tip that practices need to know. Now, Roy, is this with, with only government insurance um companies or or does it apply to like just like like a, a standard insurance company a private it it, it applies to everybody, everybody. Uh, for example yeah i had a doctor who uh, contacted me they had sent a claim for a crown uh, and had included a pa to justify the need for that crown uh-huh. that was that was not diagnostic it was it was a bad film and how that got sent in i have no idea but it did so the insurance, um, the doctor who actually reviewed that claim looked at that PA that was sent in to justify the need for the crowning went, you know, this is, this, is, this is not diagnostic. I wonder if they've charged for this. I wonder how many other x-rays they've charged with or charged for that have not 
you know, they're non-diagnostic. So that triggered an audit of this practice. They okay. pulled 20 charts. And Just of the at 20 random? Charts, um, yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's okay. no such thing as, as a really random. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, pulled, they pulled 20 charts and they reviewed the radiographs that were billed for for those 20 patients. And um, 17% of the films that they had billed for were non-diagnostic. So they used that 17% number. They multiplied that 17% by all the reimbursements they had made for this practice for six years for oh, the man. radiographs. So they asked for $72,000 back, and this this doctor had to write a check back to the care. 72000 Yeah, for, for radiographs that would be considered non-diagnostic. It's called extrapolation, and carriers do that. So they wow. can extrapolate that seventy percent for six years because the statute of limitation on fraud is six years. So they, they took they so, took 20, 20 patients and then they, 20 they patients. looked at them. And then they 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 discovered that seventeen percent of them percent were non diagnostic. Yeah. So they used that seventeen percent to multiply by all the radiographs oh for six God. years because statute of limitation of fraud is six years, and they do that routinely now. So they'll do a, a small portion that is. Uh, statistically significant from, I guess, the, the calculation point of view, and then they extrapolate that number to the universe of payments. They'll do it for crowns. Man. For example, um, there was a doctor who did um, a higher number of crowns than most in the area, so it triggered an audit, and they found that the need for the crown, although it was attached to the claim to the insurance company, which established the, established the need for the crown. Mm -hmm. um, but when they looked at the clinical record, that information was not in the clinical record of the patient. And what's the legal document that actually substantiates the need for a crown? It's the clinical record. The clinical record. So, okay. yeah, what had happened in this case, the doctor had been approached by the business manager who was doing billing and said, you know, Mrs. Smith, you diagnosed the need for a crown. What? what's going on with the crown and the doctor spews off the information. The mesiobuccal cusp was fractured off. It had an old alloy restoration that was leaking. It was recurrent decay. The crown was necessary to restore contouring function of the tooth so the patient would be able to maintain and, and keep that tooth. So the business person is writing furiously, puts that in the document that substantiates the need for the crown to the insurance carrier. So it's it's documented appropriately. Mm -hmm. so whoever reviews it says, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's that's a great reason for a crown. But when they do the audit, they'll look at the claim information and they'll compare that to the, the patient's clinical, clinical chart. Record. Yeah, and if that person who furiously wrote down all the information to send to the insurance company was not trained and did not add that information to the clinical record, then one didn't match the other. So when the audit's done, they look at the clinical records. That None of that information that we had on the claim forms in this clinical record. So it's not substantiated. So they'll ask for the money back for the crowns, and it'll trigger an audit. So they'll go back through the history and maybe find 5% um, that the doctor had not made the note, and the clinical person or the business person who had heard the narrative from the doctor did not add that to the clinical record. So it's not substantiated from the clinical record. They'll ask for the money back for those those Holy services. Smokes. Wow, that that's insane. I had no idea that that was uh, an insurance company can even do that. And oh, it, it's becoming more common. You're saying out there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like I said, 
Wow. There, all the insurance carriers will share submission information to a company who actually accumulates all that information. Okay. That so just like gives a data, a data company. Yeah. Yeah, it, it gives you trends so they know exactly the frequency of the average doctor in terms of the number of crowns they do, the number of um, radiographs they do. It all is tied back so that will help to profile that practice or that doctor. Totally, This doctor's yeah. doctor average who is smack in the middle of the average. Or you may have that doctor who does more crowns than other doctors, who does more um, surgical extractions, or if they do more core buildups than the other doctors in the area, that is going to initiate an audit, and they'll go back in and find out why this doctor is not um, considered normal or doctor average. And you know, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong, but no, it does no, mean, I, I mean, especially in most cases, that you better substantiate the reason why you did that in the way that whoever comes in and goes, I wonder why they do this differently than most people. Hence documentation, but, right? You got to have – Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. When I worked at the dental lab, I always saw practices that would do more crowns than, than others, right? And we worked locally um, in, in Salt Lake City, so we were able to see – some practices just did a higher volume of crowns. Not that they were doing anything wrong. Um, you know, their patient base m might just need more crowns than the other one. I mean, that's kind of Correct. what I saw. Now, there's justifiable reasons why one person would be uh, a little bit unusual or do more or less. You know, it can be doctor's philosophy or it can be just your, your patient base. You may have an older uh, group yeah. of patients who refer their friends and family that would increase the number of crowns more than likely. So Absolutely. not, a, not an issue if you're wrong, but it, it is an issue unless you document appropriately to make sure when that causes the insurance person who does the review goes, Hmm, I wonder why this insurance or this dental practice does 10% more crowns than anybody else in the area. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, insurance companies have a, a data company, I don't, is that yeah, a, it's PNR Strategies is the name of the oh, company. They send Strategies. all their information. They send all their information to the company who does the crunching numbers, and they enroll. It's it's an enrollee thing, and they give them the information. So, they use that to compare it, doctors. It, it seems kind of funny because right, the insurance companies are able to do all these things, but then dental practices can't get together and talk about what insurance companies are doing. Is that <laughs> right? <laughs> you, so that's kind of sim the, right? the issue is you can't come together and go, well, okay, we're all going to drop Delta because they yeah, yeah, of course. I guess, I guess you, you can't do that. I mean, <laughs> I've heard lots of practices that would wish they could do that. Right. <laughs> and yeah. the other day, I think, I, I don't know if it was on our podcast or just me talking to somebody in just a normal conversation saying they wish they could just get, you know, if, if everyone, uh, were to to drop like a insurance companies like they insurance really depends on the practices to stay in business to be honest right and the patients of course it, it right. depends on the particular area yeah it does yeah um yeah. you know deltas over the country are reducing their reimbursements it's you know they yeah, did in california they have in the new northeast i think they have in one of the midwest states and They've, they've done their their due diligence as well. They have a calculation. They'll know exactly how many doctors they can expect to drop out. And, and they be don't profitable. mind because they have enough doctors in network who will remain to be able to provide adequate service to their insured patients. So they they just, don't do that just willy-nilly. They've done a calculation to figure oh out yeah, how many it's, it's It's strategic, and they, they're basically fine-tuning their their service, right, in the industry, um, exactly. which, which makes sense. So... Um, on that note, 
Um, I want to know your thoughts on on going fee for service and even starting an in house membership program with with within a sure. practice. Yeah, um, you know, I, I can't tell you whether to be in network or out of network, but of course, I can tell you you better crunch the numbers, and and you just like the insurance companies need to know the ultimate um, bottom line when it happens, and you may have statistics that support one way or the other, but they're the ones that I've heard. If you um, if you drop a particular network, the those patients you're going to lose eighty percent of them unless yeah. The, the people that keep them have great communication skills and have set yeah. it up appropriately. There are some plans that you should never be in network with because the <laughs> amount of write-offs you take go well beyond your overhead, so you're actually right. losing money when you see those patients. So always do your due diligence, do the calculations, understand the effect on your bottom line to find out if you can stand it. I agree. But in, in today's world, there are more people without dental insurance than there are with. So oh, I've seen absolutely. practices be very successful by marketing to the uninsured. You know, the tagline mean it might be no dental insurance, no problem. And they have implemented a, a program in their practice that gives benefits to the patients. And they, they think, okay, I'm not having to pay, pay, pay full price or I get this or that. So this is the practice I want to go to because they're going to be able to provide me whatever it might be, a reduced fee or um, comp services. And I've seen in-house discount programs work very well in those practices who position themselves as the, the no dental insurance, no problem practice. And yeah. as I said, there are more pay people in the United States now without dental insurance than there are with. So that, you know, we have a tendency to teach our patients what's important. Yeah. And we do that when the person who answers the phone, the first or second question they ask is, do you have dental insurance? Have That's insurance, giving yeah. a, yeah, giving the patient an idea, well, why did they ask that question unless it's important? If I don't yeah. have insurance, am I not welcome there? I, yeah, I guess I better go get insurance and call them back, right? It definitely yeah, exactly. Makes... Or I, yeah, it, like I said, you have to be careful about what you communicate. I, I encourage you if they ask that insurance question, if the patient does that, I I. I would first try to I'd certainly answer the question, but I would first try to get to know the patient better. Yeah, absolutely. Because m many times the patients don't have an opening question other than, do you take my dental insurance? And that may not be their number one priority. Don't assume it is. It's and just, I would, it's just I would the say, mindset that, that we as an industry have created for, to the patients. To a great extent, we have. Yeah. So I, I would, you know, a patient asked about dental insurance, I said, well, before we get to the, the money question, I want to know a little bit more about you and what's going on. I want to make sure that I answer your questions correctly and that I understand what your needs are. Certainly the finances are going to be important, but can I get to know you and your situation a little bit better first? I love that. I love that approach. I think that that definitely sounds like you actually care about that, that patient. Yeah. And as you yeah. know, I mean, you're, you're, you're a doctor, you know how it, how it is in the industry. You, Dentistry is a relationship business, right? Um, Absolutely. People just don't go buy and buy a new crown by going to your website and ordering it online like they do Amazon, right? It is a relationship right. business, right? Yeah. So, so and by, it's it's a perceived need, you know. If if people were always looking for the cheapest way out, you know, everybody would own a the cheapest vehicle possible. They wouldn't buy Lexus. <laughs> they wouldn't buy 
BMW, they wouldn't buy, buy Audi. So, you know, Absolutely. why should we think or even set up our practice so that we're the least expensive because that's not the way the world works. Yeah, and I know a lot of practices will feel like that the, like dentistry is like a commodity and things like that, which I, mm. I don't really agree with um, because it is so custom and so uh, case by case being in the Correct. being the lab side it's every case that came in was extremely different right so it's like sure. how, how, it is, always is, yeah. how is that a commodity you know milk is a commodity it's the same product every time right well yeah. that's not true either you're gonna I guess, get I guess. <laughs> yeah there, I guess, there's I, different types of milks they're I, organic true. there's there's fat free there's you know there's all kinds of you <laughs> yeah, know, the lactose intolerant all almond milk so you know even in today's world um, you, you commodities aren't necessarily a hundred percent commodity. <laughs> no, no, and people are going to buy what they value. Yep, and so and, and typically, uh, value comes with education, right? You got to be educated, or you got to educate your patients on the value you are giving them. Well, absolutely, you 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 have to communicate in uh, in today's world. I don't know if you're like this, Jordan, but I'm like this. I hate to be sold. I hate yes. to walk into a place and have somebody trying to yep. down my throat. My, my guard goes up and I just I, don't I, want to talk I, to him. Yeah, I love to buy the things I, I value and the things I want. Then, yeah, I'll find a way to make it work. Absolutely. And patients are exactly the same way. And we in dentistry, we're too nice when we communicate <laughs> to our patients. We try not to offend. And that way we kind of reduce the need in – Communicate in a way that they don't find either a need or value in it. And certainly I, I don't want to threaten them or just, well, I started to say I don't want to scare them. I, I do. <laughs> I, yeah. I do. I, I want them to have a healthy concern about their situation, especially if there's an active disease, disease process Absolutely. going on. That, that we the one word we need to take out of dentistry is just. It's not just a cleaning. It's not yeah. just a small filling. It's, it's just a crown. It, <laughs> yeah, it's no. I'm sorry. This is something that if you don't have done, it's going to cause you more pain or challenges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, don't sit. The, that's a, a conversation. Well, do you have any idea what one word we can use in dentistry to help encourage our patients to accept periodontal treatment? I have no idea what that word would be. The word is pus. <laughs> so when you're probing around in the patient's mouth, you don't say, okay, we've got a little drainage here, a little separation. Yes. They have no idea what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you know, you're probing around and you start to get some drainage and go, ooh, we've got some pus coming out here. Pull out the camera and show them the pus yeah. and say, ooh, you know, if, if I, if, this means that there's some bacteria underneath there that's causing an infection. And by the way, this infection, pussy drainage are getting in your mouth. It's also going in your body and go to the second part, second place and do a little, oh, we got some more pus here. By the way, do you taste that when you eat? And does anybody smell that? Yikes, yeah. By yeah. the time you get to the second or third place. They're the going to want to get done, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do I get this pus out of my mouth? So you, you don't have to sit them up and give them a technical description of, <laughs> no. of periodontal disease and the scaling and root planing procedure. All they want is the pus out of the mouth and healthy. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we've gone there first and the patient understands that there is pus in the mouth, it, it not only helps them to understand and want that, treatment that you're going to suggest to them to get rid of the pus uh -huh. but six months down the road when the patient calls the office and wants to cancel their periodontal maintenance appointment 
that person at the front desk who should also value the treatment you give, open the patient record and go, hmm, there were several areas that were pus draining in your mouth and, and we were going to check that this time. Are you sure you want to cancel that appointment? <laughs> I love that. Well, Does that arm that, that, that person at the front desk with the information they need but from the documentation to con- be concerned about that patient and to encourage them to continue with treatment so they don't have to suffer with the pus drainage in their mouth? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and it's, I, it's, it's, I like I'm sorry. You're good. Yeah. You're good. I, I I like that you said you you documented that just for the patient too, right? Not just for insurance companies mm-hmm. because I think even if you're, you know, you have a membership program and, the, and that patient's uninsured, I think it. I mean, you got to document so you that you can show the patient as well because really the patient is the end customer, um, and and you've got to have documentation to educate them as well. Exactly, and to continue with that continuation of care. So that's going to help that person to communicate with a patient at that appointment, but subsequently the information is there. And for example, if you're in a practice with multiple hygienists or multiple doctors, they're going to be equipped with that information. They're going to be able to see, okay, at last appointment, they very specifically the issues that were found. And it's not like starting all over again. And you know, the worst case scenario is you have three hygienists and they don't document appropriately. Um, the s- second one comes in and goes, you know, you've got some pus drainage here and the patient's going to go, yeah, I know. Don't you know the last time <laughs> I had that as well? Yeah. So, you know, if you don't do that, especially if you have multiple people who might see and treat that patient, yeah, absolutely. that patient's going to go, you don't know anything about me. Why should I come back? Yeah. It's like starting all over again. Yeah. And that's, that's so painful. That's painful for a patient. They don't want, they want... You know, actually, especially if you've been seeing a practice or a dentist, hygienist for for a few years, you know, and you feel like they they still don't know your situation because mm-hmm. they're trusting you as a professional um, to know their their health situation. Because most patients have no clue on on Correct. like their their situation, right? And so. that ties back to being a commodity. If you don't listen to them and if you don't know them personally, if you're just Doctor Joe who walked <laughs> in and this month is is the doctor of the of the month that's not going to encourage that patient to maintain that relationship with that practice because you just became a commodity yeah. you don't know them you don't have any any history with them you 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 know you obviously don't communicate so why in the world do i have to worry about coming back i can have the same experience with a new doctor down the street no by the way they're 15 dollars cheaper on my cleaning so yeah i'm gonna go there yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the 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 key is to build that relationship and know your patients, uh, and you won't become a yeah. commodity. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So, Roy, this has been an awesome episode. Uh, the last question I have for you is, what were any? Did you learn any life lessons while you went through <laughs> prison and and through your challenge? I mean, that's that's really what I I want to know. <laughs> I did, and you know both professionally and personally. So let's let's start with the professionally thing first. So shared that I was under investigation, the search and seizure. I was then indicted. And both those were common knowledge. When I was indicted, it went everywhere. It, I have a friend that practiced dentistry in New Jersey, read the New York Times. I was a story in the New York oh Times. He called wow. and said, hey, what's going on? So everybody knew. And I thought my practice would be dead, that 
it was bad enough when I was being investigated, but when you're indicted, it's kind of like, okay, there's grounds to be able to move forward. He must be a crook. Wow. The best practice, the best year I ever had financially in my practice was the year after I was indicted and the year before I was prosecuted. Patients came in and you know how you'll have diagnosed the need for a crown or a partial or whatever that might be. And Uh patients will sometimes postpone that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So in that year and a half, patients came in and I would go there again. I would, you know, a patient would come in, needed a crown. I would go, you know, you really need this crown. Um, and I would go through the reasons and they would look at me and go, I know I need the crown and I want you to do it. And they would kind of tilt back in the chair and look at me and go, and I want you to do it. And I don't know if you're going to be here. So go ahead and do it now. <laughs> so they, they say any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> I'd have to say, yes, it is. But the thing that I learned is that patients understand who you are if you have a relationship with them, regardless of what's being said. Absolutely, absolutely. They will they will stay with you because of the relationship. So my my way of sharing is that if you want to be that practice where patients are loyal, they refer other patients to you. Don't treat their insurance. Don't treat their pocketbooks. Treat them because you care about them as human beings. Yeah, I love that. Number one. And secondarily, from a personal point of view, is we have frenemies in our lives. We have friends to our face and enemies behind our back. (laughs) You probably know who those are. have a good idea who those are. Don't spend time on those individuals who do not have your back. Yeah. I learned those people that loved me, care about me, regardless of what was going on. Don't spend time on those people that are playing you or just using the relationship at all. Yeah. Spend time with family and with friends who are loyal because they will stay loyal regardless of what's going on on the outside. That is time. That is energy well spent. Trying to encourage people to care about you and like you who don't and who are going to be that frenemy pull the trigger, get rid of them. It's not worth the effort. It's not worth the energy. If you cannot trust that person, if there's not a relationship there, if they don't want to be able to, um, hold you, um, number one accountable and to hold you up when you need help. Those are the people that you need to spend time with. Otherwise don't. Yeah, I, man, I couldn't agree with that more. I, I recently bought out some of my business partners because of that, right? Because it, it almost was not a real relationship if you ask me right where where if you you know i was struggling with something or needed help and it was just a really shallow relationship and and all they cared about is getting more money and not not working uh as much and and owning and starting a business and growing a business is is a very challenging task you know you've owned a practice right and and you've got awesome moments and you've got just some pretty crummy moments, right? And challenging moments. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I have learned this, this past year too, uh, um, recently. And, and I've recently started bringing people on our team that actually care about what we're doing here at boom club, but also care about Mm -hmm. me and I care about them. Right. And I've noticed a big difference with, with the direction of my company where it's going, um, on, on a, on a professional level. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I agree with you hundred percent on, on that uh, lesson right there. I think that's a very valuable lesson. Cool. So 
Awesome, Roy. Well, I appreciate you coming on our show again. I, I always enjoy seeing you and in, in, in talking with you in person when we when we see each other. So um, I, I enjoyed this episode and I hope all you listeners out there find value in, in Roy's experience and, and his information and education uh, today on our show. So I hope everybody has a wonderful day. And Roy, if anybody wants to reach out to you, maybe they have a question or maybe they, they I, I assume you, you help consult and, and do some things with, with the practice in, in regards to um, staying out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That's my so, passion. That's your passion. So where can where can somebody reach reach out to you? I would email me. It's uh, Roy, R-O-Y underscore, last name Shelburne, S-H-E-L, B as in boy, U-R-N as in Nancy, E, at hotmail.com. Perfect. And, yeah. and any website or just email? Yeah, website. Uh, com. cool and I'll, I'll post these in the in the show notes uh, so people can cool. click them and, and things like that but Roy thanks so much for coming on our show again man hey you're welcome yeah. happy to do it great to be able to see you in, in Honolulu and <laughs> it was awesome. um, maybe we'll rub elbows someplace else yeah absolutely man so okay everybody you guys have a great day and we'll see you on the next episode <laughs>